0: building better relationships at home and at work for people who have more than enough on their plate. Two coaches dangling the possibility of finding joy in your relationships. Do you dare to consider life can be better? Have a listen and tell us why. In today's podcast episode,
1: Angela and Patty have a special guest, John Helton. The Blind Fury from the podcast Marital Monkey Mania radio show. And the podcast topic today is Marriage Built to Last.
0: So I'll introduce John. He's called uh, The Blind Fury and he's the president founder of the Bloodwall Ministries. One of those ministries is Marital Monkey, which is geared to teaching teaching Biblical principles of God's design for marriage. It's also geared to put the fun back into marriage with the Marital Monkey Mania radio show. (laughs) I can't say that without laughing. And teachings and interaction with the Marital Monkey Mondays workshop. Certified relationship coaching services and a soon to be Marital Monkey preparation course and a detailed book, hopefully to be released in 2022, called Marital Monkey, helping you navigate the marriage jungle God's way. John's also a Christian inspirational speaker and author, amongst other things, like being a professional goofball. So John, you call yourself the Blind Fury. Can you tell us more about that in your background?
2: I sure, can. Did we run out of time with the intro? I mean, do we still have time to talk? <laughs> my Wi Fi just shut down on me. Uh, I've went over my gigs. Um, no, I uh I lost vision in 2008 after surviving three serious brain diseases that I had at one time with no immune system, and so the fact that I'm even talking to you guys is an absolute miracle. Um, but they said I would possibly lose motor skills. That didn't happen. They said I might come out with the mentality of a 12 year old and people got excited, said that was an upgrade. I don't know what about that, but it kind of hurt, especially since it was my family, but no, they, they, the amount of pressure I had on my brain could have easily given me brain damage and that didn't happen, but I lost a lot of vision. And uh, I actually got the nickname, the blind fury when I was bowling, I used to go out on a Thursday night and bowl a bunch of guys who have vision And I beat them all. (laughs) So so they would do this little game to where all of us would get together. They would interview the winner of the night. And when I won it, they came up and they were like, John, the Blind Fury. And I was like, oh, man, I like that. And that it stuck from that time on. So that's how I got the nickname.
0: That's incredible, John. Sorry. Yeah, it's like an incredible experience to hear how your new self was born out of blindness well Mm -hmm. and also almost uh not making it oh yeah john can can you share your philosophy of marriage what brought you to marriage coaching and teaching about marriage
2: oh my gosh what a loaded question angela
0: (laughs) yeah Um, i like to have them a little you know
2: well okay well i hope everybody has their coffee ready um Years ago, I've been through my own marriage struggles, I'm not even going to get into it, but divorce is on the menu here. And I don't understand, you know, I was young and I'm just going to leave it at that. That marriage fell apart and then I remarried and 87 days later, she walked right out the door. And I'm like, what in the world is going on? I mean, I'm not perfect, but my goodness, (laughs) I didn't beat anybody or starve them to death or stick them in the trunk of my car. So I was like, what is going on? And then I remarried in 2008. And then that was when just three and a half months later, I ended up in the hospital. So I was a newlywed when I got really sick. And of course she stuck by me. And not only did she stick by me, Just two years into our marriage, her kids were grown and gone. I had younger kids. And two years into our marriage, we ended up getting full custody of my kids. And it took years for people even in our church to realize they were not her biological kids. So she helped me parent them and raise them. And then in 2017, in April, she suddenly passed away. So I went from a single dad of three a married dad of three to a legally blind married dad of three to a legally blind widower in just a nine-year span and so being called to speaking ministry when i would go out and speak i would think i probably should mention cherishing your spouse you know just say something about it because when i go out and i do the the speaking thing i just i have my own style and all of that and i have fun with it make my blind jokes all those things But I thought, you know, that's a serious deal. Well, then I met Tanya. Tanya, you talking about someone who has been through the ringer and her previous marriage. I don't want to get into a ton of details, but he kind of pounded on his chest and said, I'm the head of the house. You do what I say. And I kind of giggled. I'm like, that's not what it means. And from what I had gone through with divorce, being widowed, what she had been through, I was like, somebody needs to teach this stuff. Somebody needs to be bold enough to talk about God's design for marriage, no holds barred, lay it out there and get people to understand just how precious it truly is. And so between She's my, my now wife, by the way. Tanya is my wife now. I've been married a little over three years. So having gone through all of that, between divorce and recovering from that to being widowed and recovering from that, and then hearing about her abuse and the things that happened to her, and then trying to get everything straightened out, marrying a quote-unquote Christian man who clearly doesn't understand the scriptures, I was like, that's, I've got to do something. And I felt God calling me at that point. And because I am a little bit goofy, um, I thought, you know, actually what Tanya told me, she said, well, you need to name it something that you can brand. And I didn't even really understand that. I managed a business for 20 years, didn't even understand what she meant. So I went and Googled it and I was like, oh, okay, this makes sense. So because I'm goofy, I thought it's got to have a humorous name, but it's got to have something to do with what I'm doing. And I came up with monkey, and we had a few more adjectives with the M letter. Mushy was one of them. Macho was one of them, but marital monkey was the perfect fit. So she picked marital, I picked monkey, and we are now marital monkey. <laughs> are you and what about at the?
0: Me? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because I love how you've really taken a very traumatic experience together and made it something to be creative and share with people.
2: Well, what good is it to go through those things if you don't do something with it?
0: Right. Right. Yeah. So can you explain, because some people listening may not be interested in Christianity, and Mm -hmm. when you talk about God's message, And maybe, you know, some listeners might be actually opposed to Christianity. Mm -hmm. So what do you think Christianity has to offer people as a way to make sense of their marriage or relationships? What might you say to someone who's not so into Christianity about how you have found the teachings from the Bible life-changing or Mm -hmm. marriage-changing?
2: Wow, you're just full of loaded questions then, aren't you? Yeah. I I would say someone who is opposed to Christianity – doesn't have a good, clear knowledge of who Jesus truly is. And unfortunately, Christians are the one that makes him look bad. Yeah, that's unfortunate, but that's just the truth of it. The other thing is he, God himself, Christ, they gave us the best example of love possible. And it's called agape love. It is described in one single verse, Romans 5, 8, where it says that God demonstrated his own love for us, that while we were still sinners, while we were still cussing him, while we were still doing all the things that he's opposed to, while we were doing that, Christ died for us. We don't even go out of our way hardly for people that we know, let alone people we can't stand. But yet this man lays his life down for those who are completely lost because he loves us that much and then they like to bring up things in the bible that doesn't make sense but you got to truly study it to get a great grasp on what it's truly saying and there's another problem Christians will take a single verse, they'll blow it out of proportion, and now you've got what we call false doctrines, false teachings, and people start running. How many times have you heard, the Bible says, don't judge me. How many times have you heard that? That's inaccurate. That's not what it says. So that's what I would tell people who are kind of opposed to it. I get it. I understand it. But I will also say this. How do you think I got To the point where I am today, after losing vision at 37, 38 years old, God gave me the strength. He gave me the peace. He gave me the will. And all I have to do is say, I'll take it. Let's go. How do you think I made it through the next several months after losing a spouse when I was 47 years old? That's two things in nine years. And I am going to say this. It's going to sound cocky. I absolutely do not mean this to sound cocky. But I rolled right through those things. Without Jesus, forget it. Forget it. I'd probably be a dead man today if that was the case. But it's not. Because my Savior gave me the peace that passes all understanding, just like he said he would. Because I built my house on the rock, meaning Christ. So when the storms came and hit against my house, it didn't crash. Because my rock is Christ, and that's what I've built everything on. I would invite anybody to email me. That would like to talk about that because it's that powerful. I've been living this life for 30 plus years. I wouldn't change it. And I've been through some crap, folks. I've been through some crap But God's still God and he takes everything and he turns it around for our good for those who are called according to his purpose. And that's Romans 8, 28. It's real. So that's my answer as far as who might be opposed. I don't want anybody to miss it. It's beautiful. It's not easy, but It's beautiful. Now, when it comes to marriage, Mm. even if you're not a Christian, if you do it God's way, it still works. Even if you just pretend it's an instruction manual, it works. But when you add Christ into it and the spiritual nature of what marriage truly is, oh, it's beautiful. Oh my gosh. It's beautiful. So that's why I decided to start teaching biblical principles in ways that most people have never heard. That's a guarantee (laughs) because I am not normal. (laughs) <laughs> I jump out of the box and I roll.
0: Awesome. <laughs> can, can you share more about agape love? What is that? Absolutely. Yes. How yes. does that translate to what you're saying about, about that beautiful? Well, how does it relate to marriage? Okay.
2: That is a great question. You act like you've done this before. You're good for your first time. <laughs> um, that's a joke. People. This is her second time. Um, <laughs> So there are, there are four Greek words that are associated with the word love in English. So like the English language doesn't have as many words as the Greek. So that's why you see love so much in the Bible, but they're all different types of love. Well, one word for love in Greek is storge. That's a family type love. Well, you've got, like, I've got a son, I've got daughters. You know, they will always be my sons and daughters. Well, if people would apply that to marriage, they're always going to be my wife with no thought of it possibly ever ending. There's your family love. So you've got storge love. It's found one time in the Greek. It's in a compound word. Then you've got this thing called Phileo love. The root of that, what city is the city of brotherly love here in the U.S.? Philadelphia. Phileo. That's the Greek word Phileo. So it's a friendship love. If couples would focus on being best friends enjoying each other, doing what the other wants. I don't like that movie. Well, would you watch it with me anyway? Absolutely, because I just like being with you. That's filet love, best friends. You do things together. You just enjoy each other's company. Then you've got eros love, which is the root word of erotic. In English, God created sex for the marriage to be a beautiful way to connect physically with your spouse. If you don't think the Bible talks about sex, go read Song of Solomon and start putting the symbolism together and you will blush. And I've got a funny story about that. I want to tell you really fast. I'm doing my marriage thing. I'm back here reading Song of Solomon and I found the verse. I thought, oh, wow. I walked to the living room. My wife's in there and I quoted the verse and she looks up and she says, what are you doing back there? And I got so tickled. I said, I'm just reading scripture, baby. <laughs> and so that's Eros love. So you've got those three loves, but then you come to agape love. And this is the answer to your question. Agape love is an unconditional love. When I am mad at my wife, I'm still going to love her because I'm going to love her based on my character, not hers. That's what agape love is. You love the person, not on who they are, but on who you are. So it's, it's, there are no conditions. Phileo love is conditional. You know, I have a best friend because I love being with the guy, talking to him and having a good time. But if he calls me a jerk and starts talking behind my back, I'm not going to be his friend anymore. That's conditional love, but agape is unconditional. Now, what if we applied that in marriage? What if we looked at our spouse as, you know what? They do make mistakes. They do irritate me, but by golly, that is my wife. That is my husband, if you're a lady. And I'm going to love them no matter what, because that is my lifelong partner. That's my best friend. That's my family. Mm -hmm. And that's the way God loves us. He loves us through our mistakes. What if we did that in marriage? What if? Is that what you wanted, Angela? I mean, is that right? Yeah, that that
0: was, it was really helpful to distinguish that in a different language of the source Bibles that we have, Mm -hmm. there are different versions of love. And I've been talking about a sociologist from the 1950s, Eric Fromm. He actually talks about those different forms of love. Mm -hmm. And he has a book on it. But it's right there in the Bible. And unless you have someone like yourself to explain that to people, a lot of the gifts of the Bible can be Lost or not understood. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep.
2: Yeah. The word love is so fascinating, though. I mean, I quoted Romans 5 8. That's agape love. Christ died for us based on his character, not ours. If he was dying based on our character, he'd have never died. It just wouldn't yeah. have happened.
0: So the irony is, we in a modern world, we look at love as something what I can get for me. That's but right But the agape love is what I can give to the relationship, what That's I can right. create. Let me
2: spin off of that. So many people, and this annoys me, I'm just not happy anymore. What (laughs) does that have to do with marriage? You're supposed to be happy, but when you base your marriage on your little feelings, you're going to be unhappy a lot. Now... I want to take that back. Not a lot. There are going to be times that you're just frustrated and unhappy, but if they do exactly what you just said, if you're the one pouring into the marriage and they're pouring into the marriage, then all of a sudden you have this unified bond that you can work through anything. But people, I'm, I'm just, they think it's all about the butterflies and stuff. And yes, it is but those things come and go. It's why I tell people, they're like, they call the Bible ancient. You're going, that's so old fashioned. No, the Bible says that God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Meaning the way it was then is the way he's going to be in a billion years from now. And that's why sex is created for marriage. If you base a relationship off of feelings, isn't that what sex is? Feelings and yeah. and, and fleshly satisfaction, that's going to leave you If you're building it on something flaky, you're building building it on something that's going to collapse because if you're mad at that person, you're not going to want to do that with them, but people distort that as well. God's design for marriage is beautiful if it's done right, but people want to do it their own way. And that's why everything's all messed up.
0: Right. So you're making it sound like people use sex as a way to think they're in love and they don't actually know what love is. That's they're, right. Right. So they're that's, lost in this illusion about sex.
2: Well, not only that, they make it the priority. You know? Ah, and it eventually
1: you, fades. It that's fades. right.
2: That's right. But, but and here's the thing, but when you're married, that's not supposed to fade either. Right. See, this is what I'm saying. This is the, this is the stuff that gets on my nerves. Well, we've been married 20 years. And you said <laughs> married? Okay. Well, get with it. You know, grab you a banana and go back there and you guys eat a banana together and have some fun. That's what God gave it to you for. My goodness, <laughs> no more monkey business. Get to it. All right. So listen, let, let me explain this to you. It, it, this is what people miss. Genesis two twenty four: A man shall leave his father and mother, cleave to his wife. The two will become one flesh. Okay. God is a God of order. That's not in just a random arbitrary order that it's put in scripture. It's there for a reason. The first thing you have to do to have a healthy marriage, you have to be able to leave your mommy and daddy. You can't be holding on the mommy's coattails and carrying that umbilical cord around with you. <laughs> You've got to be able to put that behind you because you're about to start a brand new life. The word leave in the Hebrew means to forsake, abandon, and leave behind. Therefore, a man shall leave behind, abandon, and forsake his mother and father. Okay, now that doesn't mean don't visit them and all that stuff. Don't get stupid with it. God gave you common sense for a reason too, although it seems like we've lost that art. Um. So a man shall leave his father and mother. So that means the wife has to leave too. Cleave to his wife. I love this. Check this out. What happens when you date? You pursue, you'll do anything in the world. You'll talk to three o'clock in the morning. You hang up. No, you hang up. I can't hang up. I love you too much. I want to talk to you all night. (laughs) And then they get married. And somebody in our workshop tonight said it just like this. People say I do. And then they don't. I'm like, that's really good.
1: Yes. Wow.
2: Now check out what the word cleave or join means. A man shall be joined or cleave to his wife. The word cleave there is the Hebrew word dawback, and it means fasten its grip, hold tight, closely pursue. So the Bible actually says a man shall leave behind his father and mother and closely pursue, not his girlfriend, his wife. But we've again got it backwards. We pursue, we pursue, we get married, we stop. They say, I do, and then they don't. But God tells you in Genesis two twenty four to pursue your spouse. That means invest daily, every single day. Not You don't take a break. And somebody said this. I thought this was great. Marriage is a lot of work. I'm like, it made me mad. And then they followed it up with, but it doesn't have to be. I'm like, exactly. You should find joy in the pursuit of your spouse. And then the last thing in that one verse and then the two will become one flesh sex leave mommy and daddy cut the umbilical cord go cleave to that wife of yours and now you become one flesh that's god's order i sorry is is did i get go too long no <laughs> you guys got really quiet i'm like i think they fell asleep no okay cool all right
0: no i love the way you're breaking down the text because I'm an ancient history aficionado, I think Ah. that's the old word. And I used to really love some of the biblical texts. I haven't read them for a long time. So some of the things I was going to ask you, you've already started to address, but I'm I'm hearing you say in the actual Bible, they're saying that pursuit of a partner. Mm Mm-hmm. So for people listening, interested in finding a life partner, you know, there's a lot of people out there looking for the one Mm -hmm. and they're saying they can't find them. What can the Christian teachings share about? I was going to ask what's special about marriage, but maybe you could share about the pursuit part. Like how do they go about finding this life partner and having it be fun? Because I think young people today, they're kind of like, tainted and jaded about yeah. it mm-hmm. maybe because of some of the things you've already shared that we've got it the wrong way around but has the bible got anything about the pursuit part how to make it more fun
2: to make it more fun well here's what i would say that that question would probably take about two hours to answer simply because everybody's coming from different angles for for first timers oh. you know for first timers they've never been married they're young into the dating world you know know what you want. This dating all over the place, you know, I understand. I don't know. I don't want to even get into that. But if you want to know what you're looking for and you're a Christian, read Ephesians 5. If And then there are several other verses that line up with that. But as an example, if you're a female, first thing you need to do is learn who Jesus was, because that is the model that men are told to imitate with their wives. So, if you get a man that you're dating and he talks down to you, bye bye. That goes to the respect part. Ladies, respect yourself. Until you're married, his hands remain to himself. You women are precious. Young ladies, you're precious. Don't let any man devalue you. Be who God said you are. He said, you're god's handiwork you're precious in his sight but see when you go to corinthians here comes that sex thing again it says if you're the body of christ we're his body why would we want to become one flesh with a prostitute which in today's world means your non-spouse that's how serious premarital sex is that's how serious it is why would you want to become one what part does christ's body have with the prostitute is how paul said it OK, so respect yourself. If he doesn't open your door, don't get in the car. You will open my door, not because you're hateful, but because you deserve respect. Well, I can hear him now Women can open the doors themselves, they can. But that's not what it's about. It's about your man showing you that you're worth the effort, that you're worth respecting and worth treating like you're a queen that you are. So don't accept anything less. So it's all about respect for the man same thing applies. Treat her like she is somebody. Now I'm going to tell you this. My wife is gorgeous. She is absolutely a knockout, but there's a person inside that skin. There's a heart that beats. There's a woman with feelings. And I've been asked multiple times. I mean, you guys can see me right now. You, You understand how did he get her, but it's a simple answer. It's a simple answer. I respected her. I treated her like, Christ treats the church and pursues and respects and honors. This is, I don't know if, I don't know if you can do this on a podcast, but there she is.
1: She is beautiful. Oh, wow. Inside and out.
2: Inside and out. She is hilarious. When I do speaking engagements, especially when I start doing marriage stuff, I've had some stories on her that will knock you over. It's hilarious. But anyway, she is something else. I'm telling you. So that's that angle. But then you have divorced. Well, how do you pursue? Well, the first thing you do is you got to heal. Oh, yes. Don't be carrying your baggage and dumping them in somebody else's living room. They don't want that. Abuse. Get some help. Get closure on that and heal from that before you start dragging other people into it. Another one. Well, I just seem to attract the wrong type of person.
0: Yes, that one.
2: Okay, well, here's what I would say. Be who you would want to be with and you might not attract that type of person because what you are and how you act is what you will attract does that make any sense you guys
0: yeah definitely I really I really love that like idea of marrying Jesus I mean some people might think oh, Jesus but like there's aspects of how he is in the scriptures mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. any woman would melt if they saw a guy mm-hmm. doing that they would yep. go oh but then they don't, they don't really expect that from some of the men that are out there or they'd start tolerating certain behaviors.
2: Yeah. I can't do any better. Oh, baloney. You can't do any better because you just told yourself you can't do any better. Stop doing that to yourself. If God wants the best for you, why shouldn't you? See, we sell ourselves yeah. short. Now, going back to the Jesus thing, the Bible says... To, for men, love your wife as Christ loved the church. Well, how did oh, Christ yeah. love the church? Well, he died for her. You know, the Bible says that Jesus didn't come to be served, but he came to, to serve. serve. It says he came as a bondservant. That's the lowest form of slave in the New Testament. Oh, yeah. He came as a bondservant to serve. He also was a teacher. He also was a leader. He also set a great example. He also put you in your place. So he he did all of these things, but he did it in the right context. So I would challenge women. You want a real man of God? Don't marry the guy because he has John 3.16 tattooed on his bicep. Does he live it? You know, don't yes. I don't I don't care what your bumper sticker says. Are you living that bumper sticker? Are you wearing a cross or are you carrying the cross? Are you following it? What if you want a real man of God, study Jesus, watch how he treated different people, who they were, why he did what he did, and then line that up with the man that you're going to be dating. Now, your man's not going to be perfect. Don't go. Don't get carried away. <laughs> but see, here's the thing about Jesus: he sees through our mistakes. He's all about your heart. Right. Just don't get manipulated by some smooth talker. Mm, and if you see the red yeah. flag, see you. Yep. <laughs> right. When someone shows you who they are, believe them.
0: Yes. Mm. We sound like we're old and we've been through <laughs> the ropes.
2: <laughs>
0: so hey. if you're young, take that into <laughs> account. Well, we didn't listen to the red flags. Yes. <laughs>
2: well, that's a big, big B-I-N-G-O. Now, for you in Australia, that spells bingo. <laughs> this plan angela um no i'm not it really does that's mean, all right though, we're a I'm bit just...
0: <laughs> slow down here it's it's spelling spelling's harder for us underneath you know on the southern hemisphere
2: <laughs> yeah well let me say this though you know that that's a funny it's funny you say that but here's the deal let me ask the young people do you want to take advice through from people who've actually been through it or from your best friend in class that doesn't have the first clue you know what The older folks, they've gained some wisdom throughout the years. And we, this is why I do what I do. I've been through it and I know it works. I know it doesn't work. I know what a good marriage is. I know what a bad marriage is. I've seen it all.
1: Yeah, been there, done that.
2: Yeah, so why not take the advice from people who either made the mistakes or been through because somebody else or whatever and who's had successful marriage? Why not take the advice from the person? I'm not going to, I'm not going to. I'm not going to have a mechanic do brain surgery on me. I'm going to the brain surgeon.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, John, can you share on some of the things of the way we think about marriage? Like, marriage is hard work, but it doesn't have to be. What makes people take marriage for granted? What happens?
2: Well, I think part of it is they don't understand what it truly is, especially Christians. You know, the Bible says that. Marriage is to reflect the relationship between Christ and his church. That's what oh. marriage truly is. That's what it says. I didn't say it. I don't make it up. I just follow the rules the best I know how to. And unfortunately, Christian marriage looks just like everybody else's marriage. That's not Christian. And that's not the way it's supposed to be. So they, they go into it. They're not prepared for it. If they're saying, oh, it is a lot of hard work. Well, maybe you're focused on the wrong thing. Maybe you're focused too much on yourself. Because you know what? I am legally blind. I I don't do this every day, but just follow me here. Here are things I've done. Let's put it that way. Vacuum the floor. Wash the dishes before I put them in the dishwasher. Load the dishwasher. Do the dishes. Unload the dishwasher. Put the dishes up. Uh, make the bed. Dust some stuff here and there. And I can't even see that well. But you know what? I, that's not work. You know why that's not work? Because I'm not focused on what I'm doing as much as I am the person that's going to be really happy when she finds out that I vacuumed, picked up all the toys that were in there from the grandkids. She didn't have to unload the dishwasher. It's hard for her to reach the cabinet. She's only five feet tall. She's a doll. So all of those things. But see, it's work if I let it be work. It's It's like this when I tell people when I'm out speaking, being blind is horrible if you make it that way because I used to have vision but being blind is a blast if you make it that way I don't have a choice of what my vision is but I do have a choice in how I respond to it same thing with marriage I can walk around being miserable all the time because I don't get my way well when did marriage become about you anyway See, marriage is a beautiful thing. It's it's geared and designed to help you grow as a person. But too many people are so stuck on themselves, they can't get out of their own way to grow anywhere because they think they already know it all. It's miserable if you want it to be. But if you want it to be beautiful, it can be beautiful too. But people, in the, the one I hate, the old ball and chain, you know what? My <laughs> wife's Tanya, Tanya, please put that ball on me. I want to be attached to you. <laughs> I want that. You, oh, you can ball and beautiful. chain me all you want.
1: That's really beautiful. That's an awesome way to look at it. I like that. Yeah.
2: And I think something else that people do is they go into the marriage thinking, "Ah, if it doesn't work, I'll just I'll just try it and see how it works. And if it doesn't work, I'll just go somewhere else." Yeah. Well, you've already defeated yourself mm-hmm. before you said "I do." You know, this is—it's just people take it too lightly.
0: John, you consider yourself a goofball, me too. So, how does that help? (laughs) How does that help your marriage and yourself and your wife? I think some people take themselves too seriously Mm -hmm. in a relationship. How could they lighten up about themselves or the relationship or both?
2: The great thing about life is that we get to choose. And just like the blindness as an example, Instead of moaning, groaning, whining, complaining, why, God, why, blah, 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 I'm still legally blind. So what's the point? So instead, I laugh at it. Like I was just, you know, I I bowl in the American Blind Bowling Association National Tournaments. I go to Tampa, Florida for my first tournament ever. I walk in and my kids say, there's a sign there that says, welcome blind bowlers. There's a (laughs) what? A sign? (laughs) <laughs> that says Welcome Blind Bowlers. It's not saying it. It's there for you to read. Okay, now that's funny. Or like when I went to the bathroom one time. You know what they do to the urinals on the wall in a men's bathroom when they're out of order? Do You guys know, ladies? No. They put no. plastic over them. Oh. Yeah, I wish somebody oh. would have told me. So, anyway. Oh, no. <laughs> but see, we can sit and laugh about it. Or we can whine about it. Marriage is even better. Because now you get to laugh at yourself and your spouse. Yes. And if, like my wife, because of her abuse, not her abusing, but her being abused, she was very insecure when I met her. And it used to upset her when I'd crack on her and joke about the little funny things that she does. In my eyes, these blind eyes, that is what makes her her. She is so quirky and a adorable. Like she can, there's a particular laugh she has that melts me. People miss that stuff about their spouse because they don't pay any attention. See, that's part of the pursuit. Study your spouse. Now I'm legally blind, which means I have a little bit of vision. I'm running probably three, four, 5% vision. I see enough to where I will literally sit there and watch her walk and think, what a doll. That's my wife. And when you when you do that, you just there's a connection that you're building toward that person that they don't even realize is going on. And you miss the beautiful things if you don't study your spouse and cherish them. Listen, folks, I woke up on a Monday, went to work. I woke up Tuesday planning my wife's funeral. Don't tell me it can't happen. Don't tell me, well, she's young. Yeah, so was mine. Don't tell me it's not going to happen or it can't. I've lived it. I know how it works or I know how fast it can happen. That's why I've probably upped it another notch. Not that I was bad in the first place, but just to study her. But when we met, she didn't know my personality and she was not offended, but it would, oh my it would, God. It would kind of irritate her a little bit, you know, like right. insecurities. I said, Tanya, laugh at yourself. I do. <laughs> <laughs> and it's all, that's, that's the way, look, I, I think this is actually what I told her. If I'm not cracking on you, there's something wrong. That's when you need to worry. And now she makes fun of herself almost as much as I do. <laughs> she has grown confident in herself and realizes that those little things she does that's so hilarious, it's what makes her Tanya. It's what makes her my wife. And she cracks on me. She actually ran me into an overhang at the zoo one day, but knocked me out and I didn't even get mad. I just started laughing immediately and it hurt. And I was like, everybody, I want to introduce you to my caregiver. And the whole place is cracking up, you know? And I'm like, why not have fun? She didn't run me into the thing on purpose. It was just an accident, but it was hilarious. So we have those little things going back and forth put the fun back in your marriage. Enjoy the monkey business. It's supposed to be fun. Laughter does good like a medicine, but a dry or a broken spirit dries up the bones. That's in Proverbs.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm.
2: You know why I think I'm still alive to this day? Because listen, I've been through some stuff. I was diagnosed with diabetes in 1980. My sugar when I went to the hospital, hospital was almost 1300.
1: Oh my goodness.
2: My mom and dad thought I had pneumonia and fed me sherbet and 7-Up for an entire week. (laughs) And I was diabetic, okay? 2006, I go to the hospital. They diagnosed me with pneumonia. The next night, they rushed me back to the hospital with double pneumonia. The density on my lungs tripled in size. My mom was on a trip out west. They flew her home and said, you need to get home. Your son's not in good shape. And I survived it. Then I go in the hospital in 2008 with this. Cerebral histoplasmosis, they've never seen that before. That gave me meningitis and encephalitis at the same time. No immune system. Encephalitis is the lining of the brain squeezing it. That's why yeah. people have died from it. But encephalitis is your brain swelling. So my brain's going one way. The lining is going the other way. My friends, that is not a good combination. <laughs> <laughs> that is not a good combination. And here I am today. And I've told my wife this multiple times. I believe I'm here today because I don't stress over things. I don't get worked up over most things. If you want to get me worked up, Let me and my wife have a problem. That's when I get worked up. Everything else to me is just deal with it. Go ahead. But I'm passionate about her. So that's why I get upset if things aren't like they need to be. I think that's perfectly legitimate. Everybody has that, I I would hope. But transmission goes out, fix it. Why whine? It's not going to put your transmission in your car. Stop whining. Get out there and fix it. You know what I mean? I I just don't stress. And I laugh. I laugh. I laugh. It is great medicine. It's what the Bible says. And you know what? It works. And I believe because I live like that, I don't let things stress me out. I don't worry about stuff. I know God's got it under control. There's, for those who might oppose Christianity, I live in peace. Even when things aren't perfect, I live in peace. I'm joyous. I'm happy. And this is not a fake happiness or joy. It's just who I am because of who Christ is in me. Colossians 127, by the way. So... Yeah, put the fun back in marriage. Have fun together. When your wife's not looking, get the garden hose out and spray her down while she's outside (laughs) trying to water the plants. I mean, just get her. Just do it. And then run really fast. But you better have vision because I've tried that. Ran right into the wall. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Oh, that's a good one. I got that image now. That's, that'll help. <laughs> that'll make me laugh. <laughs> I,
2: I kind of combined two stories there. I did run into the wall, but it, well, I wasn't running from her. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I was trying to get to her, but still, you know, so gosh, if people would just cherish the spouse and enjoy those little idiosyncrasies they have. And I mean, I mean, think about this. I told her One day, we were sitting in bed. My back was up against the headboard, and we've got a pretty large TV on the wall. And I could see it moving around. But when we're watching TV, I'm really listening. She's watching. She's sitting to my right. I'm like, do you want me to give you a a shoulder massage? And I swear, she turns around. She says, well, I don't want to block your view from the TV. You're married to a blind man. Did you forget this? You know, little things like that. And that's just who she is. She told me one time she's going to have to wash the car because there were a bunch of dead bugs flying around on the windshield. I said, there's a what? Flying on the windshield? Dead bugs? (laughs) Flying on the windshield? What? You know, and, you know, when we first met, that would have made her mad. Now she laughs at it and quotes it. I mean, she actually makes fun of it, too. So, gosh, enjoy life, guys. We're not promised tomorrow. Mm.
0: So, John, can you share about the podcast, Marital Monkey? <laughs> what what brought you to do the podcast and and how do you make marriage funny for people with
2: it? Well, this is kind of a weird situation. The, the, the podcast is not really a podcast. It was a radio show that was aired ah. on a station in West Virginia. Um, we have since ceased that show for now. I don't know if we're going to pick it back up. But the gist of it was we would answer relationship questions, but then we would have these little funny segments. One was called monkey business. Tell us a funny story about your spouse. Just like I told you guys about mine. If she were in here, she would tell you the same thing about me. She's got stories on me. We had one called marital monkey joke of the day, such as um, my wife told me she needed more space. So I locked her out of the house. (laughs) And then we had marital monkey rant of the day, things that irritate you, like tell us something that makes you mad. One of mine, don't call your wife old lady. I hate that. (laughs) That irritates me. And I actually confronted two people over that. I'm like, don't call her old lady. (laughs) Are you kidding me? Well, she doesn't care. I don't care that she doesn't care. It's disrespectful. And if she doesn't mind it, what about the people around you? You know, you just kind of degraded her in front of them because not everybody thinks that that is okay. And a man walking 10 feet in front of his wife on the way into the restaurant, would you get your butt back there and hold her hand and walk with her? Check this out. In Ephesians 5, when it says that the man is supposed to present his wife as a radiant church, the word present there in Greek actually means beside, next to. (sighs) See, nobody studies this stuff. They just see it present. Okay, well, here you go. That's not what it means. So if the man is not leading his wife like he's supposed to, he doesn't get to quote unquote present her by throwing her in front saying, oh, she screwed up, it's her fault. Or throwing her behind you and going, look what I did. You have to present her by placing her beside you. And by the way, how was Eve created? From what part of Adam? is rib beside It's in the Old Testament. It's in the New Testament. It all lines up so beautifully that people want to try to prove it wrong, but they can't. But if you want to check it out, it's amazing how this stuff just falls so into place when you study it and you start digging down. I don't even know what your question was, Angela. What did you ask me? Oh,
0: I just wanted to hear about the podcast and how you are injecting some fun into it. I really love that. the funny thing about relationships and the jokes and because oh, yeah. if i think about my parents they had a very sort of interesting marriage and i think about the funny things that they used to do individually mm-hmm. and together that's what i remember yeah. about them a lot and i yeah. think those those stories are really we often hear about the negative things in mm-hmm. marriage these yep. days we don't hear about things that children will walk away with as memories from their mum and dad Mm-hmm. That's That lives through us, but it's not put out there in the media. So I really yeah. like that part of the Meryl Monkey.
2: That is such a great point you just made that I would love to even get into, but I won't. But you're like, people will argue this, okay? And I'm going to try to, this is another quick lesson. People will argue with me or get mad at me for saying this. Your wife or your husband, not your kids, is your priority. <gasps> Did he just say the kids aren't the priority? Well, my kids, my kids. No, listen to me. You put your spouse first. You are putting your kids first because you are teaching. See, we raise kids and train them so they can go fly on their own. You are responsible for teaching them what a healthy marriage is. So when they get in one, they know how to operate. If you make everything about them, And they get whatever they want. And your husband or wife is put to the side so the kids get what they want. Guess how they're going to act in their marriage. You serve me the way I was raised. But you put your husband or your wife first. Show them that conflict can be resolved in a mature way. Take your spouse out on a date once or twice a month. And let the kids set the babysitter. Let them see mom and dad staying together and enjoying each other the way it's supposed to be. And if you do that and you put your spouse first, you are putting your kids first because you're training them to fly. Just don't clip their wings by making it all about the kids. Okay. So there's that. Now Hebrews 13, four says this, you want to argue with me, especially if you're a Christian, you don't want to do that. Hebrews 13, four marriage, not kids, Marriage is to be held above all. And that means, I want to say it in Greek definition, marriage is to be honored, respected, valued, and treasured. Above all. There's no way to argue that. And that's what God is saying. I feel like that's what he is exactly saying. Your marriage is to be first because it is permanent. A man shall leave his father and mother. So it's not permanent there's a part there's a, going to be a point in life where those kids are supposed to branch off and, and and start their own lives but your job as a parent is to train them how to do that okay so there you go there's my rant of the day <laughs>
1: <laughs> well i think i'm going to get you ranted and raving on this question let's do it for
2: let's go so,
1: so i listened to your podcast radio show, uh, the episode on cell phones, how they harm relationships. So can you give our listeners some examples of why cell phones can harm relationships? And Angela and I have talked about uh, cell phones and other podcasts of ours, but I would really love to hear your take on it.
2: Okay. Well, first of all, these things are designed to be addictive and what controls you owns you. And if you are addicted to a cell phone, then you are not addicted to your spouse. If you are on your cell phone the whole time, you are not present in your conversation with the person right in front of you. Patty, if you're talking to me and I'm listening to what you say and then Angela walks up and starts talking and I immediately turn my attention to her and we start a conversation and it leaves you right out of it, that's no different than a text message. That's what they do. People have that phone attached in their hand. And when you're talking to somebody, they deserve your undivided attention, not your divided attention, because it's like 98% of people, it is proven scientifically, cannot multitask fully. You might can do a couple of things at the same time, but you cannot focus. It has been proven that you're less likable when you got a phone with you. Why is that? Because you're so busy looking at this dumb phone when your spouse is begging for your attention, but yet we can't figure out why our marriages don't work. Mm. Here's, listen at this. I, I wish I would have looked up the statistics before we came on, but it's like, an I, I don't know, so many times people pick up their phones and check it. Like it's a ridiculous amount. And what if, instead of in the morning when we woke up and grabbed our phone to see if somebody texted us at 3 a.m., what if we grabbed our spouse? What if we held our spouse like we hold our cell phones? What if we pursue our spouse like we pursue Facebook? What if we give the attention to our spouse like we give to our phones? The other thing is it's psychologically damaging. The more you're on your your smartphones, the less gray matter you have in your mind, in your brain. Mm. It shrinks the gray matter, which means you cannot retain memories that well. Mm-hmm. A study... Uh. We, a study I did there was a study with college students they they actually say do not upload your pictures on Facebook while you're at a birthday party because you won't remember the birthday party as well and here's why these college students go to a museum one went without cameras one went with cameras or cell phones I guess they probably use those to take the pictures they went and they were they looked at all of these items the next day both groups were asked details about the items. The ones who took pictures, didn't remember as many details. The ones who did not take pictures, remembered a lot more. Why is that? Because once your brain says, okay, I've got a picture of this. I don't have to remember it now because I've got it on my phone. It Uh doesn't retain. But the people who didn't have a camera with them had to remember what they were looking at. There was no security blanket there.
1: Right, they're not living in the moment either.
2: That's exactly right. Look, if you're on your cell phone, if you're a married couple and you're on your cell phone and you're in bed with your spouse and you're reading and texting, you're not in bed with your spouse. You're in bed with your spouse and with George and Sam and Lisa (laughs) and Sheila and everybody else that's that you're texting with. And that's supposed to be a sacred place for you and the spouse. I mean, really how much time do we spend on our phones versus our spouse? how many times do we interrupt our spouse because we get a text message that will be there in another four hours right and when psychologically speaking you continually put off your you know they actually have a term for it now it's called fubbing yes are you
1: kidding me <laughs> we found that out when we were researching for our cell phone uh, episode
2: <laughs> yes fubbing <laughs> I've been thugged. Yes. And you know what? It's psychological, <laughs> it's psychologically damages the person who's getting thugged because yes. it, it it kills their self-esteem and their confidence. It's like, I don't even know why I'm talking to you mm-hmm. right? because you're not paying attention to me. Even if your phone's not dinging, you're still not listening to me because it's near you. And you're thinking who's going to text me. And if it's mm-hmm. on, if any part of your brain is on that phone, it is not on your spouse my episode i was going to do about cell phones before i did because this is when i was doing podcast was going to be called i deserve more than your divided attention you know what folks you will not die if that phone's not on you 24 7 nobody needs instant access to you 24 7 nobody you guys i don't know how old you are i can't really see your facial features but i know angela how old she is actually she's real close to my age we had these things called answering machines.
1: Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm in my fifties
0: too.
2: Okay, wait a minute. You just, two, what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, we, had to, we had to wait, but did you, here's another thing. Cell phones and smartphones, they cause anxiety. They cause depression. They cause impatience. You don't believe me? <laughs> Let let somebody who's addicted to their cell phone watch how patient they are. They're not. You know why? They're they're so used to instant responses. Anytime they want it, instant, 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 instant. When they don't get it, they don't know how to act. But then they put their cell phones down, and now they're all anxious and, and anxiety ridden because what if somebody texted me? Right. What if somebody needs to get a hold of me? Well, what if? I mean, what's the chances there's going to be a major emergency? There's it's really a slim chance. So in I th- maybe it was you, Patty. Enjoy life. Enjoy the things that are right in front of you. Yes. Because, I mean, cell phones are great if they're used appropriately. It's it's like anything. Right. The, the cell phones themselves aren't bad. It's our addiction to them and our dependence on them. Now, I told you I'm diabetic. I only carry my phone to tell me what my sugar is. It reads my sugars for me because I wear a, a little um, contraption on my arm. Mm-hmm that feeds my sugar levels to my phone because I can't check my sugar myself. Other than, if it wasn't for, if it weren't for that, I probably wouldn't have it with me near as much mm-hmm. because I wanna enjoy the people that are dear to me. You know, it's just, we, we, we are dying for all this social interaction. We're on Facebook or on Twitter, but we're fubbing the very people that we love the most mm-hmm. that are right next to us. And what we're telling them when we're on our phones instead of with them is, you're not interesting to me i'd rather be on this thing because you know you just don't have anything for me and that's what you're really telling them and it's the truth because you can't get your eyes off the cell phone is there anything else you want to know about cell phones i got plenty
1: (laughs) (laughs) well thank you thank you very much we'll we'll um have that episode of yours in our show notes so that they can they can listen some more about the cell phones
2: yeah, and that was an abbreviated show, by the way. I only had 30 minutes, so I had to get it all in, and I missed a ton of stuff because I did, uh, t- I think it was a two-week class on cell phones, and I get to talk as long as I want in my oh, class. Oh,
1: wow. Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah my there's... workshop, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Daddy.
1: What are some key ways to help people keep their marriage sustainable or together or in in love?
2: okay. That's a great question. Let me, I'm going to spin it on you. Let's say you're a, let's say you're a, you're a stock market investor. If you don't invest any money in the stock market, how much are you going to get back? Zero. Okay. That's pretty much it. You don't invest in your marriage daily. You're going to get nothing out of it. You want a happy marriage. You want a fulfilled marriage. First of all, my, my answer is always going to be do it God's way. Put your marriage as your priority, not your job, not your friends, not your college football, not your video games. And I'm a huge college football fan, (laughs) but it cannot be priority over the wife. And she knows it's not, you know, and that doesn't mean I can't sit and watch football all day on a Saturday because the rest of the week she knows she's my priority. So she doesn't mind it but what if I played video games all week and then I start watching football on Saturday? We're asking for trouble. Don't complain about your marriage, not being healthy when you don't even invest or spend any time with your spouse. I don't want to hear it. It's what
1: she put into it.
2: That's right. You don't, if you're not going to invest, you're not going to get a return. It's just as simple as that. Right. Number two, it's not about you. It's about them. If you both operate with the other one as your focus, then you're always going to be able to meet in the middle. You're going to be happy to do what's best for the other one. They will be as as happy doing what's best for you. And it's going to work beautifully. Sometimes you have to sacrifice a little bit, something this world's forgotten all about. Sometimes it's not all about you, people. And I had another point about that. Oh, pro, uh, yeah, Proverbs 27, 17. Iron, so... Iron sharpens iron as I can't even print. I can't even get it out of my mouth now (laughs) as iron sharpens iron. So does one man sharpen another.
1: Yes. Use that Uh,
2: verse for marriage. Wow. I have grown in ways in the last three and a half years with my wife that I never expected. I have become more knowledgeable. I've learned the depth of Christ's love way more than I ever knew in my first 27 years as a Christian. Because of her, I hope she's grown because of me, because see, there are areas in her life where she's really weak, but they just so happen to be some of my biggest strengths.
1: So you complement each other and you hold each other up
2: like a puzzle.
1: Yes. Beautiful.
2: It's like a puzzle and they fit beautifully if you work to get them to fit. And you know what? I heard something not long ago that I thought was beautiful. You're trying to find the right person when you're married. Well, you did find the right person if you're married. Don't don't try, try how they say it? Don't try to be perfect. Just try to become perfect for them. Like you're not gonna find the perfect partner. Just find someone that's perfect for you or vice versa. I wish I could remember that quote. But oh, and one more thing about keeping your marriage healthy. You're talking about sustainability? Yes. Another quote, I love quotes. How you got them is how you keep them.
1: Very true. Very true. That, that
2: goes back to pursuit.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Keep on.
2: Come on. More questions. Let's go. Let's okay. go. Let's go. Let's go.
1: What advice would you give <laughs> someone who is struggling in their marriage? And you've kind of, you, you've kind of answered this throughout the podcast, but is mm-hmm. there something that really stands out for you when somebody is really struggling and trying to make a decision whether to stay or to go? <sighs>
2: Well, I would say this, if you go now, what, right. If you stay now, what, what's, what's it worth to you? There's a reason you're married. I would suggest one of, I I think this is something that we don't do enough as married couples. What was it that drew you to that person in the first place and vice versa? See, marriage is a beautiful thing. It is not to be broken. It is designed for permanency. So unless there is a massive issue of adultery or physical abuse, I think everything else can be worked out. But you both have to be willing to put in the work. See, Mark 10, 9 says that what God has joined together, let no man separate. Well, the Greek word for separate there is karizo, which means divide, put space between, withdrawal.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Well, and it even talks about either divorce or divorce within the marriage, meaning you could still be married, but divorced. Right. That means that statement by Jesus simply means it's designed to be permanent. But God's joined together. By the way, check out what joined together means in Greek. It's a compound word. The first part of the word means to be associated with. My wife has my last name. She's associated with me. Mm -hmm. Uh, The second part of that Greek word means, get this, to be yoked. You know mm -hmm. what a yoke is? Yeah.
1: Yes. On the oxen, you know? Yes. Yes. Uh
2: I am going to do a teaching series on the yoke. It is so powerful and it is amazing. Jesus used that Greek word. It's the only time he used that Greek word in the New Testament. It was specific to marriage. You are yoked and associated with somebody. Do you know when two oxen were yoked together, that it had a curved um, fit so it wasn't painful? Uh Uh-oh. So marriage is not supposed to be painful. There is a stronger ox that is actually with a weaker ox to lead and guide them and train them to be able to accomplish one purpose of doing their jobs together. Now, if you got one ox wanting to go to the right and one wanting to go to the left, we've got a problem. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And see, the Bible is brilliant in its teachings if you study it. If you just read it on the surface, you're going to get off, you might get a little confused. You might Mm -hmm. misinterpret this. But when you start studying it down like that, who knew that's what joined together meant? Joined together sounds like, oh, we're married, right? That's, (laughs) yeah. But that's not what Jesus said. He said, what God has. Who God has yoked you with and associated you with, let no man create space between you. Mm-hmm. So, my question to the struggling marriage is what's causing the space? What's causing the division? What's causing the issues that you're no longer feeling close? We've got to find out what's separating this marriage and we got to get rid of it. What is it? You know, and those things can be worked out. Marriage is compromise. Like I said, as iron sharpens iron, as one man sharpens another. It's not about us. It's about that's well, about us growing, but if we're going to grow, we have to get out of our own way, and then you start prioritizing your spouse. And I'm telling you, when it's done right and when it's done God's way and the principles of Christian living, oh my gosh, it's all, it's awesome. You got me all choked up. I about choked to death when I said
1: that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh,
1: well, that was very beautiful. Thank you. Well, you're welcome. So John, tell us about your services that you provide others.
2: Well, I um I do ear surgeries, so when I talk people's ears off, I can put them back on for them. <laughs> that is being Christ-like because he did the same thing when somebody's ear got chopped off right before he was led away to get crucified, he picked up their ear and put it right back on. So that's one of my services. Um I don't train you to be a stand-up comedian. I'm just goofy like this. Um I actually am a master certified relationship coach and that's actually how I met Angela. And I, um, well, and I do it with a Christian format. So, um, I'm very, very staunch about that. And, you know, I don't always throw scriptures and stuff in, but you know, that's kind of how I format the way I coach. And so I have several coaching certifications through WCI and there I'm a relationship coach, bereavement coach, Group coach, laser coach, professional coach, and a master certified coach. So I've got several of those certifications. But the thing about me is I don't charge an enormous amount of money. I work with people. Um, they can go through the Blood Wall Ministries, and I can work on a sliding scale that way. And I try to work with people so I can help them. I'm not going to try to use their struggles to pad my pockets. That's kind of my motto. It's, I'm here to help, but I also have lights to pay for and people to do interviews with. <laughs> um i have a book out if anybody's interested in hearing my story a little more detail it's called stop your whining legally blind with 2020 vision that can be found <laughs> on the blindfury.com. do you want me to keep on talking about this yes stuff? yes okay. please i have that i have a marriage workshop and i am willing to start a brand new one um right now it's on monday nights at 7 p.m eastern but if I have enough people to respond, I will start a brand new one that follows that one. And I will start from the beginning and we'll just go through this and I'll break down scriptures like I've been doing on here and we'll apply them to today's marriage. Um, and I mean, where else can you go to learn about marriage with a blind guy teaching you <laughs> and creating visual presentations with PowerPoint so you can see what I'm talking about? Come on. Awesome. Awesome. I mean, come on! You are not going to get that anywhere else, and that's absolutely free. Um, that is that is great.
1: That is so great. Yes.
2: I got so excited about that, I broke a sweat. <laughs> <laughs> but, but we have fun. We have a great time in there. We joke, we laugh, we carry on. But you know, I teach, and sometimes it gets pretty heavy. But if you want the truth, that's where to go. If you don't care, then don't come. <laughs> it's not that difficult.
0: John, do you have couples that come and oh, yeah. work on their marriage together? Oh, Abs- that'd be
2: awesome. Yep, absolutely. I have everything from married couples, I have singles in there. Um, they want to be prepared when they find that mate. So it's kind of like I told you earlier. You want to know what a godly man is, what well, pattern it after Jesus. Well, if you come to the workshop. I'm teaching marriage God's way. So it's going to help you recognize what's healthy and what's not. And then the great thing is I'm in there. If you have a question about something, I'll answer it. But that's not typically the way we do it. But I'm happy to do that. But, you know, it's a lot of interaction. As a matter of fact, I know that the recording of this won't go up today. But one week ago in our marriage workshop, I love how God leads me. I had a lesson planned. It was all sorted out. And as I worked on the finishing touches, it shifted and went a completely different direction. As Christians, we are led by the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, right? He dropped in that workshop in such a powerful way. We spent two and a half hours discussing a very deep subject. And that's why I got shifted throughout the day before I taught the, sh- the workshop that night, because some somebody needed to hear what yes, was said okay. that night. And it was, I mean, everybody was pitching in and giving interaction. We've had people break down and cry in there because they talk about past hurts and abuse mm-hmm. and having to let go of the past so they don't punch their their current spouse because of what somebody else ah. did to them. We share life experiences. We share stories and it, sometimes it turns emotional. Sometimes we laugh so hard. We can't see straight, which I can't anyway, <laughs> but I've got a head start on that <laughs> type of thing. And it's just, it it ends up And some nights, just a regular night. Like tonight, you know, I taught, I did do a little bit of a, I, I got, I, I started in a way I did not expect. And I felt like that was God directing me in a certain way because it wasn't even on my mind and it just started coming out like that. So it was pretty awesome. And even when I got done, my wife said, that was a great lesson. I said,
1: well, thank you. Well, remember when we uh, met today and I told you what the name of our podcast was? You didn't know what the name of the podcast was going to be, the the topic title. (laughs) And explain to the listeners how that, affected you
2: it was really cool because after tonight's workshop um i walked into my bedroom taking a break before this recording and my wife was in there she had gotten a hold of some dvds that we've had but we've never actually watched them and she said i'm watching this this series i went okay no big deal i came in here and you told me the title of this episode and it was exactly what she's watching i mean (laughs) literally word for word um you're gonna have to remind me what it is because i've gotten so excited tonight i've already (laughs) forgotten it
1: (laughs) yes the name of the podcast is is marriage built to last
2: yeah, a marriage built the last is what she's watching. So, yes. yeah, that's yes. that was amazing. I was it like, was no, it, it was a god
1: moment. It was a god moment. It
2: was. It was. See, and people think that's irony. I mean, seriously. We've had those DVDs, I don't know how long.
1: And you know, Angela and I have a lot of times, a lot of of spiritual things that happen for us as well. When we get ready to do a podcast, sometimes we're wanting to to go in this direction and then we go in this direction because it's a way that God has told us this needs to be heard.
2: Yeah. Well, Proverbs even says that a man will plan his ways, but the Lord directs his steps.
1: Yes. And
2: it's such a beautiful thing. People just miss out. See, see, In the New Testament, Jesus is saying that unless you're like one of these, you won't enter the kingdom of God. Well, he's talking about little children. That doesn't mean we walk around going, hello, everybody. I want a toy. Can I have a happy meal with a nice little toy in it? That's not what he means. I think what he means there is when God does stuff like he did did tonight and some of the stuff that I've got to tell you about without detail, we, as Christians, we get excited And we're like a little kid at Christmas. Like, did you see what he just did? Mm. Mine and Tanya's story is so powerful. I was a 27-year-old Christian when I met her. And in the months that we dated, yes, I said months, the, the book even has to tell that story about the numbers lining up like they did. I saw more supernatural things happen in those eight months than I had in my entire 27 years. He would do things that would blow your mind because I had a legalistic mindset. I was struggling with divorce and remarriage and I got all tied up in laws and legalism. And every time I got like that and I started getting scared, he would do something so bizarre that it it's I've got a book coming out about it. It's that bizarre. It's awesome.
0: Yeah, I have a feeling God's sense of humor is actually more bizarre <laughs> than any any human sense of humor I've ever experienced. Mm-hmm. It's uh, I've got a, a few bizarre experiences that only my partner and I look at each other sometimes, and we just shake our heads, <laughs> and we think it's it's only because of the divine that oh, yeah. we were brought together, mm-hmm. and there's no no logic or any sort of rational thing that could explain it. It's complete, Mm -hmm. we call it kismet or mektub in Arabic, destiny. And people like to have a lot of opinions about God, but for me, that experience with your spouse or your person that you end up yoking yourself with Yes. (laughs) um, Right on, Angela! (laughs) Yeah, that, that that when god's actually giving you an experience of the mystical and you look at each other and you you actually acknowledge with the person it's no other other thing besides the hand of the divine that brought yeah. us together that's right that that itself is just incredible
2: isn't it goes back
0: yeah goes back to what agape yeah. yeah and that's something that brings you together that's bigger than the two people mm
2: mm-hmm. mhm well, I mean, people question, well, why would God do this? Why would You know what he told Job in the Old Testament? Who are you? Where were you when I created this world? Who are you? You know, of course, Job is like, uh, you're God, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, you don't want to make him mad. And that's what people don't understand. you got one or two choices. It's Jesus or it's Satan. There's no in between. You're either for God or you're not. And people think that there's a big party going on in hell. And that is not the truth. It's so much deception going on about what really awaits. But why would God? Well, let me ask you this. Why would God send his own son to die because of our mistakes? I guarantee you, if I walked up to say I was going to pay off somebody's house, they'd let me do it. But we won't let Jesus pay for our sins. Sins got to be paid for. It has to be paid for. It's already been paid for if we accept Christ, because that's why he died. But if we don't accept him, we have to pay for our own sin. I want no part of that. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to clean yourself up and then come to Jesus. You just come like you are. Let him do the work. Just start to follow. Start to learn who he is, his love for us. Like I said, until I met Tanya, I didn't even grasp it. And I've been walking with him for 27 years. And then I met her. And I started to realize I am missing out on that incredible depth of love that we'll never know as a human, but I know it way better than I used to. And I have changed so much since I've met her iron sharpens iron. And it's just, it's, it's just a beautiful thing. So the book I'm actually writing about our story is called God sent me a personal text message. The story of the blind leading the blonde. It's, it's, I'm telling you, do do we have time for a funny, a story that one of the things that happened Sure. or we way past due? I pay no attention to time. So go ahead. Okay. (laughs) So I'm operating in this fear, right? Always scared. I'm going to do something wrong and God's going to beat me down if I screw up. Uh, Yeah, there's consequences, but he's not going to beat me down. And so I had been struggling for months. I have already bought the engagement ring. I've already gotten everything planned. I've already lined up how I'm going to propose. I thought I'm going to treat this girl like she deserves to be treated because nobody else has. Well, I've got this big proposal planned out and I'm in Las Vegas bowling in the national tournament. Well, on the way home, I start getting sick at my stomach out of fear. Am I doing the wrong thing by marrying her? Am I, am I, am I, am I? And this is just what God does. I get home. I see her, give her a hug. You guys missed that. I see her, gave her a hug. And I said, I have to say, I'm I'm feeling scared again. Now this is months into it. And she starts to cry. She's like, I was hoping you were over that by now. I said, i tell you what, let's pray. I bear hugged her. And I basically said a prayer, something like this. God, would you please get my back? Because see where there's a God, there's also an enemy. And he will talk to you too. So you get to choose who you're going to listen to. I knew who was talking to me, but I had a hard time fighting it. And I said, God, would you please get my back in battle for me? I'm sick of the thoughts. I'm sick of being scared. Would you please get my back? That was it. Felt pretty released at that point, but still having some fear. Well, that day I took her to Nashville to see a Christian rock band. The first song that she ever I would say pick as our song is a song that Disciple did. They're a Christian rock band and it's called God is with us. She put a picture on Facebook of us and put a caption. God is with us, which is a Disciple song. Now follow along with the story. God is with us. Okay. So I'm taking her as a surprise to see Disciple that night. She had no idea where we were going. We're standing there waiting for the show to start and my phone buzzes. Well, I can't read it. So I pick it up to my ear to listen to what it says And it was a verse of the day that popped up on my phone. And it said this, Exodus 14, 14, the Lord will go to battle for you. Just be still.
1: Oh, that gives me chills.
2: It's not over. Check this out. I went, Tanya. (laughs) She said, what? I said, and I just held the phone up and she goes, oh my gosh. I said, is that not crazy? because that's not the first time that's happened. There are 31,102 verses in the Bible, and that's not the first time that has happened to us. Mm -hmm. It happened multiple times. So if that happens, the Lord will go to battle for you. Just be still. Now disciples playing. The singer ministers from the stage, and I have got chills everywhere telling you this story. He says, and let me tell you something. The world will shout what they believe. They'll tweet it out. They'll post it on Facebook. But let me tell you something. God will battle for you. Just be still. And as soon as he said that, they went straight into God is with us. Straight into the song that was our song. After he said the verse that just popped up on my phone, which is what I just prayed hours before. No, there's no God. I mean, come on now. The no fear doubt. thing. doubt, no doubt. Now, the, the day before our proposal, this is what you're going to love. This is how I'm going to finish this up. I'm going to do my best. I played <laughs> drums in church at the time. It's the day before the proposal and I'm starting to feel scared again. My pastor actually said something about if you're feeling scared, that's the enemy. I'm like, Ooh, okay. But I, I couldn't shake it. Right. It was there, but I could, not it was not as bad, but it was there. We get done with the worship set. I walk off the drums, walk down the hallway in the back of the church, and it's kind of a zigzag hallway. Usually the whole band walks together. We talk. We talk about the service, how we think we did, what did we mess up, you know, that type of thing. Well, at this point, I'm walking. There's nobody. No sounds, no voices, just me. I get all the way to the water fountain, and out of the blue, I had no idea our conga player was right next to me, and he just out of the blue goes, don't be scared. (laughs) I said, what did you say? He said, don't be scared. I said, why did you say that? I mean, he didn't say, hey, John, what's up? He didn't say anything just out of the blue. Don't be scared. I went, why did you say that? I don't know. I said, you realize God just used your voice to talk to me. He said, what? And I said, I'll call you Tuesday (laughs) because I wasn't giving it up. I didn't want anybody to know I was proposing. I didn't want it to be blown But I mean it's it was stuff like that for eight straight months. The number eight significant, we got married not by choice. It just happened on eight one eight one eight, August 18th, 2018. The number eight in Bible means new beginnings, new start. And we had adopted that number before we even knew we were getting married in August. And it ended up that we got married on eight one eight one eight. Our hotel room number, we were on the eighth floor. Room number was 1801. We got married on the 18th. Wow. I mean, just, and God works in numbers. So anyway, I told you I would try to keep it short. I lied. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) At least I'm confessing I lied. I love this stuff. I love this stuff. Your listeners are like, man, I've been drove four hours away from home. I didn't, my goodness, what an episode. They ran out of tape for the 50 year old. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you guys are awesome.
0: You are too, John. Yes. You've uh, made you've made my day. It's been beautiful. I was actually wondering if we would get a bit of the Tonya and John meeting story. So we did. Yes. I, I like oh. uh, I have a an obsession with how couples met. It used to be one of my conversation started, starters because I had, had social anxiety when I grew up. Oh, so wow. I'd go to parties and go, "So, how did you two meet? And, and then people would tell me their whole love story. And I'd be like, wow, people really like to tell me their love story. It must be what I'm obsessed about. And I am. So <laughs> Oh,
2: well, I, what I just told you is only like 1%. We, we actually, <laughs> the way we met is actually hilarious. So, I mean, because you got to think about it. <laughs> think about this. You're legally blind and you're single. What do you do? How do you yeah. meet somebody? And I'm like, well, it's not like I'm going to go drive around town and trying to keep my eye out for anybody. It's not like I can, can't spot an attractive girl across the church sanctuary. I mean, now, if you get really close to me, I will be able to pick up on some features. But then what do you do? Man, she's really nice. Let me get a good look at you. Uh, you have a great day. I wish you all the best. I mean, what do you do? So this oh. the summer after I was widowed I my I use a screen reader and I'm searching these personals. Now the only reason I'm searching this particular website's personals is because I it was my screen reader worked with it and it just happened to be Craigslist. You don't want to go on the personals on Craigslist. I'm telling <laughs> you that right now. You do not want to go. But I was on there and it was in November, November 30th. I was on there just goofing around, just kind of seeing what was out there. And I started to get out of it, you know, sign off and do whatever I was going to do next. And God spoke. He said, post right now. I'm like, say what? So I did. Six days later, Tanya is on Craigslist looking for a second job to do cleaning jobs to help pay for her kids Christmas. And she ended up on the personals and saw my ad. And I use the verse, Proverbs eighteen twenty two to get the attention of any Christian women. And it says, he who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. Proverbs eighteen twenty two. That verse became so significant the night before we got married. And I'm not telling you what happened because I want you to read the book.
1: Yes. It's okay.
2: Amazing. But that's how we met. And oh my gosh, the story is
1: crazy. Crazy. Amazing. Yes. So when's the book going to
2: be out? Probably next year. Next year. Okay. <laughs> I have like five draft chapters written. The problem is it's like my book now is like 130 pages. This was going to be like 1,030 pages. <laughs> it's going to be detailed, but I think God gave me some really cool stuff to put in there. And um, I, I'm really excited about it. And there's a whole nother story to that. And I'm not even going to start it. Just remember the cane. Okay. That's all I'm going to tell you. Just remember okay. the cane.
1: Will do.
2: It's it's <laughs> God is awesome. I mean, he just he just amazes me all the time. He's he's just he he can't he likes me. A You're God's
0: favorite. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're all God's all, favorite. That's right. Yeah,
2: believers or not, He still loves them, and that's one thing. I'll tell them as you close: Jesus loves you, whether you like it or not. It's just yeah. what He does. Yeah. Was it just relationship podcasts? Uh, <laughs> well,
0: yes, <laughs> thank you for sharing that. I mean, I still for me, Agape and the other ways that you learn about love, mm-hmm. it is all in a journey to teach you about that love that encompasses all mm-hmm. all species of life, humans, yep. monkeys, uh, plants, that sort of love. It's not really. We can't conceive of it with a human mind. But, yeah, this podcast was about marriage. And I think marriage is, what you've shared is, it is to give us a sense of how love is permanent. It's mm-hmm. it's something, it's not just sacred. I, I had a question about, do you feel, how do you feel marriage is sacred? But it's just that there's this process that happens when two people come into marriage. Mm-hmm that the Christian teachings share is actually about teaching you about love and how Mm -hmm. it's built Mm -hmm. to last. And
2: it's beautiful. Think think about this, Angela. And and you too, Patty, think about this. I I can answer why is marriage sacred in one simple answer. It was the very first relationship God ever created. There you go. Mm. There's a thing in the Bible called the law of order. When it's mentioned first, that's the foundation for the rest of scripture, like relationships. What was the first one he created? Marriage. But think about this. Okay, Angela, Patty, tell me your all's answers. This is so funny. You got a dude out in the field. He's working the ground. He's trying to grow crops and he's doing all this stuff out in the field, but he needs some help. Who are you going to send out there to help that dude?
1: Myself.
2: Oh, you're going to do it? Okay. Okay. Well, that was not the answer I was expecting. You blew my you blew my cover here, Patty. That was not the right answer. You're supposed to say something completely different. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. I asked my marriage workshop group that question. And I said, if you were in that situation, who would you send out to help that dude? Well, I'd get some dude with muscles popping out of his ears and used to farm work and you know, somebody that's really strong and burly to go out there and help with all this work in the field. But that's not what God did. He created Adam a helper, a wife. And then it said, you guys are to rule over the earth. That's the power of marriage.
0: That's powerful. Yes. So John, is there anything, I mean, that was a beautiful way to summarize the, not just sacredness, but just the power of a marriage Mm -hmm. and, and its impact on what it can do for the world. Was there anything else that you wanted to share before we wrap up here?
2: Well, not necessarily, because if I get going, you know, it's not going to stop. So you probably should yeah. have taken that opportunity to say, well, thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, no, I, I would like to invite people to visit our website. I'm going to have to redo it since Marital Monkey Mania, the radio show, is no longer going. But um, Okay. I'm going to create a a premarital workshop that's going to include video teachings, such as the ones that I've talked to you guys about tonight. It's going to have a quiz after they watch the videos to make sure they got it. And then because I'm a group coach, I'm going to offer a group coaching session that week. And it's going to be between 12 and 16 weeks of teaching people what marriage truly is, how they are to act within it, practical, scriptural, all of that stuff included. So they are absolutely prepared for Christian marriage. The way God designed it to be. So that's one thing I'm in the middle of. Of course, I do the coaching thing. I love coaching. And, you know, I even throw humor in there. Like I had a couple last night that I threw out a joke right in the middle of it and just bust, they busted out laughing because, you know, it's a little tense sometimes. And I know when to joke and I know when not to, and it was the moment to do it. So I did it and they just busted <laughs> out laughing. I was like, that's great. I love that. So, you know, I do the coaching thing. And if they want to see my personal ministry site, theblindfury.com, um, mm-hmm. I do Christian inspirational speaking and I tell my story and I know it's gonna sound weird, but I start off with stand-up comedy and I make jokes and have a lot of fun before I get started and I might mm, my favorite saying may or may not, duh I might, <laughs> I love it when sports announcers say that he may or may not play tonight. Thanks Joe. what oh, you went through some school to learn that one, did you? He may or may not play tonight. Oh wow, that's deep. I may or may not um, do a drum solo right in the middle with a few extra effects that you're not expecting. I just have fun. And wow! if a blind guy can do it, what's your excuse?
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you so much, John. And in the show notes, we'll put uh, the contacts, email contacts and the website so people can find out how to get in touch or
2: That'd be to awesome. Have
0: you perform? That would be amazing.
2: Yeah, and I and I know what they're thinking. I bet he's expensive. I, I can, actually I don't charge. I will fly <sighs> there. I will have somebody take me there. I will all I ask is that like if it's a church, take take a love offering and help me pay my expenses, you know, something like that, just so I don't go broke trying to do this. Um, but the way I look at it is I'm gonna do my calling like I've been asked to do, and I'll let God be my accountant. So that's kind of the way I view it. So love offering. And then I'll bring my books and I even take donations for those. I don't even take a price. It's just like whatever you can afford, I'll take it. So that's the way I roll.
0: Thank you, John.
2: Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. Can we do it again? Like (laughs) stop recording and now start up again. (laughs) Too much fun. Where where am I going tomorrow? I'm not going to go run to town or anything. (laughs) You guys are like sitting there, like, why do we bring this guy on? Here? It's like you can yeah, like bring he... the world. What a monkey! By the way, look at this monkey. Can you see what it says?
0: No. No. What does it say? <laughs>
2: Primate. Primate. My wife got me that. Okay. I have okay. seven monkeys on my desk. That's hilarious. <laughs> I love monkeys, which is why I had kids.
1: Very good. This episode has given us a lot to think about how to have a marriage that lasts. We would love to hear your tips, strategies, or inspirational stories on building better relationships at home and at work or about this podcast. Thank you for listening.
0: Thank you for listening to building better relationships with Angela and Patty. Send us a message. And please like or share the podcast or donate with the Anchor Donate button. We really value your feedback.